0: All right, everyone, welcome back to another amazing episode of the Crypto 101 podcast. Pizza Mind here, joined by my amazing co-host, Bryce Paul. Bryce, how you doing today?
1: How are we doing, Pizza Mind? I'm all right. Uh, volatility in the markets was paramount this week. Uh mm. and we saw we saw the the UST Terra blockchain kind of get clogged up. The stable coin uh, became not so stable. Um, and so it was It was a really wild week, and, and we're kind of just watching the dust settle. Um, so how am I? I am shell-shocked,
0: to say the least. Shell-shocked. <laughs> excited, nonetheless. Well, I'm going to take care of you, Bryce, because every time something crazy happens in the world or in the markets, we always say, when in doubt, zoom out. Mm-hmm. And with us today, our guest has been around, seen it all, done it all, uh, and can give us a really a broad view of the history of digital currency. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome David Sham from the XX Network. Welcome to the Crypto 101 podcast. Hey, guys. It's a pleasure to be here. Last. Thank you. Yeah. And it's great to have you. Um, You, for any listeners that have not heard your name and just immediately pulled over and went, what? (laughs) You're essentially the godfather of cryptography itself and one of the very first people to even attempt something like digital cash on the internet all the way back in the 80s it's true yeah that's right yes my the uh, the the uh digicash
2: company in the netherlands and um you know uh the first worldwide web conference was in cern you know where berners-lee had created the web and i gave the first keynote there wow. and i made a payment from uh, Geneva to Amsterdam. It was the first eCash payment, and then it was uh, pretty widely reported uh, in all kinds of media, and uh, you know, people started recognizing me in elevators and on the street and stuff, and uh, <laughs> it was kind of a big, big deal. The idea that a number could be worth money was pretty uh, revolutionary. Uh, in those days and um, you know, but this was a follow-on from work that I'd done at, at Berkeley in the, uh, that was mid-90s in the early 80s and um, actually the end of the 70s uh, if you can imagine I you know uh, was concerned about privacy and the the whole unfolding digital world and how, you know, how critical it would be to have stuff you could trust and stuff that was private. And so I started working on like voting systems as a kind of little toy kind of, you know, application where some of these issues uh, were present and important in a a relatively simple form. And, you know, I I, uh, kind of threw together my dissertation, which was like a bunch of computers that all had to vote and only could change keys and do things by, you know, add new nodes and so on by majority rule. So it was kind of like a little blockchain thing that I had going. And if you read my dissertation, which you can see on my website actually, now it was in the library and not, now some people had checked it out, but uh, actually, but it wasn't online until recently but uh, it actually, caught, it said uh, chain of blocks, I think, or something like that. <laughs> but mm. um, before, you know, the web or anything, and, you know, this was about the time that the National Security Agency, the head of it, the new head, decided that there should be no conferences on, on cryptography, no sessions at conferences. It, it Cryptography was to be, you know, born classified, like nuclear secrets and so he threatened to throw the whole book you know at anyone who would even think about doing this said he wrote letters to the uh you know the ieee and the acm the big uh, computer organizations at the time and so being a graduate student at berkeley realizing how important all this stuff would be for the free world i decided to uh organize a conference on cryptography and <laughs> And uh, so I and I, you know, I stuffed the envelopes, I got the list on a paper printout, never talked about it over the phone. You know, it was printed at the same little printing shop that printed the free press in those days down in Telegraph Avenue, mailed it out. You know, there were over a hundred people that showed up in Barbara at the UCEN, actually, Bryce, right there. You yeah. Know, you look Go out the, uh, yeah, exactly. UCSB. And, yeah, and it was, you know, we launched the uh, International Association for Cryptologic Research at that event. And that kind of you know, put the damper on the NSA's plans to suppress research in modern cryptography. And they were all, there was a handful of them there kind of incognito, you know, they thought. They all had like personal addresses only in Laurel, Maryland, you know, they didn't say NSA on their badges, but they, they realized what happened. <laughs> <laughs> kind smokes. of sitting in the front row you know in their suits and everything sort oh, of turning man. green because we announced a, like a successor event in italy and and so on and uh, yeah so that was um setting cryptography free you know i could have spent my whole life in jail i think i mean
1: you yeah. were a true crypto revolutionary um i mean in the, in the- i mean it's- i
2: look back on it now and i <laughs> what serious stuff i was you know at the time i thought well you've got to do the right thing here but, uh, you know, it, it, you don't want to mess with those guys. And then, um, yeah, uh, later, that technology uh, for, for payments, which, you know, was launched, uh, as you mentioned, it, it, in the Netherlands. In the, uh, so that I had this, uh, the DigiCash company. And so we um, made it for the, uh, well, we licensed it to Deutsche Bank, which was the largest bank in Europe at the time. And then we had banks in in uh, like on all continents they were issuing it in national currencies you know and then there was also our own currency called cyberbucks that uh, we issued and so there were like a hundred merchants that accepted cyberbucks that's like bitcoin we just said oh we're gonna issue a million cyberbucks that's it or something and and uh, you can if you go to chom.com slash ecash you can see the whole eCash museum all the press releases and photos and there's the list of all the you can actually click on the shops and see what a lot of cases what they were selling for for the cyber bucks currency back then. And, and this was okay it wasn't uh, decentralized, it wasn't a blockchain like my dissertation had been but it was a powerful kind of electronic money for the consumer in the sense that it was based on what what, uh, I call the blind signature. And so what it, it meant is that the bank that you withdrew this fiat from or these cyber bucks from could not learn what your money would look like when you went to spend it. So it was fully hidden when they signed it and then you could unhide it and spend it and, this guaranteed that you, you, they couldn't take your money away from you and they couldn't tell where you were spending it. And that protection was, you know, we'd say today quantum secure. You know, it was, it was uh, information theoretically secure, unconditional. And so was a um, powerful type of uh, thing, even though, okay, the bank, you know, this was a commercial bank where you had an account. So that part was
0: usual, but the rest was highly, highly protected for the individuals. So what were the headwinds that kept this from you know becoming the, the next debit card? That's a that's a great
2: question. And you know, I, I usually sort of punt on that because it's hard to say there were so many things, but you can imagine that in those days, I mean, just to get on a new software release for us was pretty big deal because Microsoft and, Windows was you know we were three you know it was running on like three eighty sixes in those days it was like it was difficult and yeah you
0: can't even just download it we take that for granted now yeah it wasn't a a of the technology stack upgrades, back you know, then
2: everyone you know you know uh, mobile phones and all that it was like um, it was pretty tough and it ran it was slow you know you think of you know we don't notice the time it takes for cryptography to run today but in those days it was it took like a minute or something to make a signature you know it was really slow. And everything and, and but the other thing is that, I think you know, the web, uh, you know, it took off at a at a astronomical pace, you know, uh, really, uh, there was a tremendous acceleration of build out and you remember, in those days, people were really afraid to use credit cards and all that. And, you know, I think we, you know, it was a good run. Well, well we we did prove this stuff could work and the privacy and payments was uh, an acceptable and, and achievable thing. And yeah. When you, started, when you started a
1: cryptocurrency, you know, decades ago, um, and you were kind of the only guy doing it, and now fast forward uh, to the 2000s, and, you know, Satoshi Nakamoto and all the cypherpunks come around, and they make Bitcoin, and they, um, they kind of bloom this entire new industry, and then, um, you know, people started forking the code, making other cryptocurrencies, Litecoin, Dogecoin... Um, Ethereum comes around with its own uh, new idea of a a general purpose computing platform for blockchains. And then this entire crypto industry of DeFi and NFTs blossom. And we have, uh, you know, this kind of vibrant ecosystem of culture and money. And uh, what do you make of all this? Is this the industry that kind of you envisioned, you know, seven, you know, uh, you know, back in the the 70s and 80s, when you were thinking about this stuff, or or has have things kind of taken a turn? What's your interpretation uh, of where we're at right now?
2: Well, to be extremely uh, frank, uh, you know, the cy- cyberpunks were there. cypherpunks were there, you know, sort of all along. You know, when I was helping them and hosting them and subsidizing them and befriending them and open sourcing. You see, the other thing I didn't mention is the Mixed software, which I also created at Berkeley in the late 70s and and, and uh, open sourced. And it's, it's gone through a whole series of incarnations like Tor is probably the most famous of them, right? So that's an important- Yeah, Tor is a very popular and important- yeah, Second ingredient, basically. Uh, for the XX network, right? We have sort of this uh, quantum resistant blockchain thing and the, the CMIX mixed in, which I, I, I could speak to that. But uh, the point is that my take on things was always a little different from the, you know, mega libertarian, let's go, you know, shoot some automatic weapons and blow some stuff up in the desert people, uh, you know, who I knew and I was friendly with them, but I wasn't, it was a slightly different group, you know, I was thinking to myself, you know, this is powerful technology, it could really solve the privacy problem, it could empower people in the information age, you know, this is important stuff, someone should take the tack that maybe it's not something that has to be, you know, done in spite of government, You know what I mean? You know, it's like, you know, if the government wants to come after you and shut you down, you know, probably they can. You know, it's really fun if you're a young person and you think, oh, we're going to do this and there's nothing they can do to stop us. You know, well, it's a bit naive and it's a bit self, you know, it's a it's an infatuation. Uh, You have these, you know, these kind of movements that were, you know, you get you would do more in a group like that than you would do. If you were just left your own thoughts about what would be a reasonable thing to do, right? So it, it, everyone sort of eggs each other on and so forth. So, you, you know, it is what it is. I think that's a legitimate way to go. But I think there's another way, which is to see if you can f- argue that it is a sensible thing from a, you know, business societal point of view. Can you really solve the issues? Of you know abuse and, and provide real value and and so on and so like I you know wrote articles for Scientific American and, and I you know burned myself out flying around the you know country of the planet really uh, talking to all kinds of privacy people and giving all kinds of presentations and guess to get this idea out that you could uh, what I call it is like security without identification. So back in the, you know, people still conflate the two, right? They think, oh, you got an ID for security. No, it's a different thing. You, you you, know, society needs to be protected against abuse, but you uh, as an individual can really only be protected if your privacy is protected, and you can't really count on people to do that because the law says they have to do it. That, That's sort of the 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 realization Now, i've been involved in legal groups you know to try to push for sending the amicus briefs and all this stuff i've been doing that for years but it's not that effective there's limits you know because people make copies of data and you know use it for bad purposes and you can't really solve the problem fully legally in my opinion the much better way at least would be to do it where the, your, your private information is simply not released. But, so then the problem is, how can you provide what we call technically authentication? How can you convince people, prove to them whatever, assure them that the, the money is really valid and so on without having to allow it to be traced to you? And that's kind of like what that blind signature did. But then if you want to protect privacy, you need also the mixing network. Uh, thing which is like you know if you know if everything you do is tied to your IP address then you're kind of spinning the wheels you know you're not really you're fooling yourself you're not really able to have any privacy because every everything can be linked together from
0: that makes sense so that's a great segue into the XX network which is your latest incarnation what is the XX network first of all and what are the goals that it's trying to achieve
2: well thanks the uh, XX network is A blockchain, which is now mainnet. We have 500 nodes uh, live. We have, you know, it's run by the foundation out of Cayman. It is um, the result of several years of hard work to incorporate two aspects. Uh, One is the privacy, and maybe I could talk about how we do that. That's the mixing, and it's different from the privacy in eCash. And then, and then I could talk about the, the quantum resistance and the consensus if you like. Yeah, so awesome. the way that privacy is achieved in XX network is pretty much unique in the blockchain space. We certainly pioneered it and actually it is unique and it's based on a breakthrough in, in mixing. So I invented mixing in 79 and there's been more than 5,000 articles that reference my original article. And no one has really come up with something that's fundamentally faster uh, or better, in my opinion. But I hadn't really actually worked on mixing for like a decade or more. I was at the Crypto Conference, which is the success, you know, is the continuation of the conference series that I founded, sponsored by the International Association for Cryptologic Research, which I founded and which has, you know, three flagship conferences each year plus the half a dozen you know workshops and so on around the around the world so but the main flagship conference is the one in Santa Barbara where it was launched right and so I was there and that was like a couple months after the Snowden announcements and you know I was just like kind of shocked by those because most people in the community thought that I really believed that the government was spying on everyone and that's kind of the type of person I was, you know, a lot of the people in, in that community worked for, you know, defense contractors. They're academics, so they, they they all figured that I was the one who would not be surprised by this at all. But I was shocked uh, that you know it was never clear to me one way or the other whether the government was spying on everyone or not. And uh, when we found out they were, uh, I noticed that basically out of the six or seven hundred people at the event. No one seemed to be that shocked. Uh, and I was shocked by that and troubled. And so I decided to try to do something about it. So I went back to the drawing board and found a way to speed mixing up, like about by a factor of, say, a thousand. And as we call it, C Mix. And then I was, you know, someone dragged me to a blockchain event. Uh, And, or I met with, you know, I saw what was going on with uh, some of the major projects. I kind of just sat in on their meetings and got a sense that I wasn't that impressed to tell you the truth. I thought, you know, there's too big an opportunity here just to kind of leave these people to their own devices. So I decided to just jump in with all four and and, and make a crypto, you know, blockchain project that implemented this breakthrough mixing which we call c mix and also that would have the strongest type of cryptography because you know I wasn't really uh, fooled that you see I'd done a lot of what's called cryptanalysis breaking codes for companies and stuff like not illegally but uh, for really big companies and I uh, had a fair amount of success with that and I realized I ran into some defense you know kind of related codes and stuff. I can see the difference between this kind of stuff the government uses to protect their own secrets and the rest of the stuff that they they want comp- other countries to use and companies. And uh, so I... Um,
1: Have they made a movie about your life yet? Because I would <laughs> love Because that sounds awesome.
2: Yeah, well, you wouldn't I could go into a lot of details of the crazy stuff. There were two companies in Switzerland that I visited, and I broke their stuff. It later turned out they were run by the CIA. It's Uh-oh. now public Uh-oh. and the no, Swiss it's... are all bent out of shape about it. It's a whole thing, you know. There's a lot of things that I broke what's called the was called the Swift coder, which is a little blue box that every Swift terminal in the world used for their security. It was an encryption box that was built Oops. by the, this this company but I had broke the code and so they had to pay me to fix it that was all thing <laughs> anyways you know there's just a lot of crazy stuff that you know so no one knows that the government could have listened in anyone could have listened in all that stuff it really you know when I I broke this the 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 the, the it was called the great tech coder uh, which is the same as the swift coder that uh, on a single flip chart sheet in this guy's office at their headquarters and he he nearly died, and and every time I'd see him at the conferences, he would just go on and on about how he still has that flip chart in his safe and all this stuff. So It's yeah, there's a lot of fun stuff, but but the the point is that I realized that in order, and just recently, you can see it in the, the presidential directive in the U.S. that all these agencies have to get, improve their encryption against quantum resistance. You know, you, if you read between the lines, there, it's pretty clear. That now they're saying basically all VPN traffic, all fixed link encryption has to be done with the highest level of, it, of, of, of technology, and that's basically so, you know that's basically what I said we would use, and we do use it for our consensus. I mean, so what is XX Network? It's two things. It is a quantum-resistant consensus algorithm that runs at at 3,500 transactions per second payment transactions per second on co- on computers that are one tenth server class small computers the cheapest computers you can rent on amazon from 100 to 1200 nodes. we demonstrated it ran it for 10 days so it could probably run it might be able to run 10x faster uh which is pretty much global payments you know all you could eat uh, if you're it on server class computers that uh, it scales to any size network uh, and its its consensus is quantum resistant and very efficient and so what that means is it's very difficult to take down you know that's one of the issues if you, you know governments might have an interest in taking down a cryptocurrency because you know this there's a big global sanctions and all this stuff it's a, it, 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 it's it's quite high stakes so this is uh we've demonstrated now it's not currently running but we are Gonna cut over to it as soon as we get it comported to Rust, you know, because right now we're running in, in Golang. And, and um I mean it's in Golang, and we're gonna I'm sorry, I misspoke. We're running, you know, I'm gonna port it to Rust because we're running in Rust now. But uh, so that's the one part of it. And the other part of it is those same nodes are doing the mix protocol. And this is really interesting because it it provides a very high grade of mixing, it's like every second or half second there's a single batch, all messages that come in are perfectly mixed together and come out in one batch. So you get an anonymity set with uniform probabilities, no other system can do that. And uh, uh, now has uh, also quantum resistant end-to-end encryption and we have the the XX messenger which is on the iOS, you know, the app, Android and the Apple, uh, you know, app stores, try it. It, I mean, I use it all the time. It, it's, it's, it's a great messenger, basic messenger with a group chat and um, uh, you know, it's highly secure. And if you, if you click on a message, you can see the five nodes that were chosen randomly around the world where your message was routed through and the, along with a thousand other messages that mixed at each stage. So it's it's pretty fun uh, to see that. And it, it's, um, you know, so we're, we're, you've got tens of thousands of users and we're adding some really cool stuff to it very soon. And we'll probably be announcing that shortly that will uh, really broaden the the use cases, but it's, it's. Uh...
3: Hey guys, TiVo here to tell you about the UFi Video Lock, a smart lock, a 2K camera and a doorbell all in one. What I love about this product is it is a truly all-in-one with the three-in-one. You don't have to go out and buy multiple parts. It's all in this package with the Eufy Video Lock. So if you're interested in learning more, go on Amazon and search Ufi Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock. Again, that's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Eufy Video Lock. Get complete control over
1: your front door.
2: Uh, it's, it's unique in that, you know, every major messenger out there, the people who operate it know who's talking to whom and when and often from where and who your friends are. They have your whole, your whole contact list. None of that applies to XX Messenger. It, that all stays, you know, what goes on in the phone stays and it never leaves the phone. Your phone. So we don't, we, there are no contacts or upload. There is no there, there. We don't have a central server. It's all totally distributed across, you know, 500 nodes. Sounds like my kind of product.
1: By now, you've probably heard all about cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin, and you might have even already started investing in them. But did you know that you could invest in cryptocurrencies through your retirement account? Uh, That's right. With iTrust Capital, you can buy and sell cryptocurrencies from a crypto IRA and get all the same tax advantages as a traditional IRA. So iTrust Capital allows you to invest in over two dozen of the most popular cryptocurrencies. And unlike the stock market, you can buy and sell 24 hours a day. The iTrust Capital platform is easy to use, and it only takes a few minutes to create your account and setting up an IRA is free, and iTrust's fees are low. It's time to start taking control of your financial future. And with iTrust Capital, you can get all the tax benefits of a retirement account while investing in crypto. So visit itrust.capital/slash crypto101 to start investing today. Again, that's iTrust dot capital slash crypto 101 taxes and conditions may apply fees apply and cryptocurrencies are a speculative investment with risk of loss and I trust capital incorporated does not provide legal investment or tax advice consult with a qualified legal investment or tax professional
2: Recently, I saw this survey, it's in the form of an infographic, about 1,500 people were asked, like, what is it you don't like about Web 2? And what is it you're hoping for with Web 3? You know, I thought that's a pretty decent project to to really ask people. And it was pretty in-depth. It summarized in the infographic. I mean, truth is, the main thing is privacy. People, that's the big thing they're hoping for, and they want control over their own data. And, uh, that's basically what we are, we're doing, but we're doing it in a, you know, with this quantum resistant consensus. So it can't be taken down.
0: That's XX network. I love it. Can you give us the one Oh one version of just what quantum computing even is? Well, it
2: is, there's a guy, you see, you know, I've, I've been to a lot of those crypto conferences that I organize, you know, and the ones around the world and stuff like that. And, uh, so I know a lot of these people. It's it's funny, you know. Uh, so there's a good friend of mine, Gilles Brassard and he showed up one, you know, one of the early conferences, like, you know, with shorts and sunglasses and wild, you know, Hawaiian prints and stuff. And he gave this kind of humorous uh, presentation. You know, a lot of people would show up in a suit and stuff like that back in those days. And this was, he introduced quantum cryptography, which, so this was kind of early days they Charles Bennett and he had collaborated so on and so forth it's quite interesting to know so I'm involved in that stuff from the very early stages but what the Shor algorithm you know was just like a breakthrough just a, a crazy thing it showed that if you have this factory or some kind of you know very systematic encryption algorithm you can break it with a quantum computer all day long and real easily and that that's the shocking Thing So, so so-called public key cryptography, the kind of cryptography you choose widely, all the, you know, the crypto in in the major blockchains, it's all of that ilk, all trivially broken with a quantum computer, you know, you have to have a big enough one, but it will break it, no problem, and that's something that, you know, it's it's unanticipated, and it's not easy to fix. You know, a lot of times you say, oh, we'll just substitute the you know, the encryption algorithms, we'll just switch that library, oh, it's all very modular, you know, that's a lot of, uh, you know, whatever, that's, that's done really true. When you try to build a, a, a blockchain that has s- strong quantum resistance, like the kind that Biden said all federal agencies have to use for their like VPNs and stuff, like right away, uh, if you read the, 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 the presidential directive, I mean, this is serious stuff, I didn't hear it, about it, that. It, that's that You can't just add it on. It's a whole different approach. So we had to just come up with a special way to, to uh, make these compact endorsement signatures so that it's efficient enough because it's very clunky stuff. And so we have also in XX Network now, the coins, are the wallets uh, actually hold quantum resistant keys in reserve so we're not using them operationally as i mentioned but they are there behind the scenes as a backup uh, in our system and people have been very interested in that technology so you you don't have to pay the price for you know right now but it, you you always have them uh to fall back on so uh that's that's um something we have um you
1: know i you just meant you just mentioned the uh the biden um you know, sort of encouraging all, or not encouraging, but basically it's a, a national security memorandum promoting, yeah. uh, you know, everybody has, to, and, and, and he's describing these things called cryptanically relevant quantum computers, CRQCs, and, and they yeah. basically sound, they basically sound like um, WMDs, uh, but yeah, just electronic. Yeah, no, it's
2: serious stuff, believe me, and don't forget, you know, China might be very well ahead of the U.S. in this stuff, and it it's, you know, if you you, you know, there's actually two of those uh, directives, and look at wow. you know, the, the, you'll read that there that the all the the national security relevant stuff is not even covered in this. So for the stuff they really care about, that's a whole different level, not even touched on. But then for the all the basic communication, they want this highest level, and then okay you know, every agency that, you know, maybe have an encrypted website or something, you know, they can fix that. They got plenty of time. They can adapt the, uh, the national the standards, but don't be fooled by the dates in there. Don't forget that, you know, the, the I mean, it's, this all has to be reported now to the National Security Council. I mean, it's a big deal.
1: And I think a lot of this is probably uh, stemming from the, you know, the increased geopolitical tensions between Russia and America. Um, do you have any thoughts on that, maybe?
2: Well, uh, I mean, to me, you know, this sort of soft power and the sanctions thing, you know, if you're into geopolitics, that's the big thing these days, right? And so the big workaround for that is cryptocurrencies and all these countries, including the U.S., is said they're going to have their own. And uh, that's why. it's This is a very high stakes, big deal thing. And if you think for a minute that, a, that one of these major agencies doesn't have plans to take down some of these chains, in case you know the people they don't like start using them to work around these, then I guess you're not really understanding how these people work. You know, they don't forget these are the guys that had all this secret capability during the Second World War and sat there and watched people like passenger ships get sunk because they didn't want to reveal that they had it. Who did that? I believe that was the, the case. The US did that, I believe. You know, we when you break codes. I don't want to malign them the NSA, believe me, but I think there was this stuff like that. When you when you know how to break a code, you don't just put it in the New York Times. You, you, you try to keep that secret from your adversaries. It's just like, you know, those DEA busts that you always hear about. They were always they lied in the court. They say, Oh, we just we just happened to be at that place in Oklahoma and saw the guy unloading the cocaine. You know, we didn't hear it from the NSA intercept that gave it to the DEA. You, you heard about that whole controversy? That's just it's just, it's no. it's all about hiding, you know, this capability. Whatever, that's part of their culture, and that's <clears> what enhances its, you know, it's uh, it's the guess, art of war. You know, maybe if less, you know, assuming your the other con- your adversaries don't know that you have it, maybe that's I don't know. I don't, I don't well, bother yeah. myself with all that stuff, but I mean, you just see it all over the, you know, I see it all over the media. It's it's like a it's it's a huge uh, huge issue.
1: Yeah, and it, I think it, it speaks to kind of the essence of a question that we kind of get a lot here at Crypto 101 for, from listeners. And mm-hmm. it's just kind of around this idea of like, hey, like this technology, this cryptocurrency stuff, this is so powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, won't the government just shut it down? Won't it just ban it? And, yeah. you know, we, we saw kind of, you know, back in the, the late 1990s, uh, these crypto wars where they, you know, yeah. were trying, where they were trying to ban yeah. encryption. Yeah. Uh, and I stayed
2: of, out of that. Ah. Yeah, but I was, I was in the, I almost went to, you know, jail or whatever for less setting crypto free, but then I just stepped back from the crypto wars because I was more into the privacy thing than the actual encryption. But then after the stone revelations and seeing the reaction of my, you know, colleagues in the community to it, I decided to come back in and really, you know, try to do something, try to make something that could be used mobile phone to mobile phone, you know? Something yeah. that would would actually allow the public to use mixing technology to hide their their uh, associations, you know, from from the government. Because you know, see, in you know, in intelligence work against that's aimed at, at at any kind of organization or the public. What's much more interesting is to see who talks to whom and when and from where, than to the data than what they say, because real. St- will just kind of speaking code and lie and misdirect you and, you know, but who you talk to and when, you know, that stuff does not lie. And it's, it's, it, historically, it's been much more manageable, you know, data capture and, uh, you know, amazingly, in most countries in the free world, there has been no law against the wholesale intercept of that kind of data. So in the U.S., we've always had what we've called mail covers and pen registers for, for uh, paper mail and phone calls that would record all the addresses on the envelopes that you send and receive, how much they weigh and who which phone numbers you called and called you and for how long you spoke. That was all fair game. Government could just collect that without any limitation. And that's very valuable information. And so, you know, the, the Facebook people are often, you can see them saying, you know, it's the social graph. That's our main asset, right? They know who's, who's friends with whom, who's talking to whom, and, and all that.
0: stuff. it. Makes a whole lot of sense now that Facebook got as big as it did. Now that you put that in context, <laughs> it was a perfect storm.
2: Well, yeah. And there's, you know, I mean, just if you look at Amazon and you look at Google, I mean, these, you know, we've we've seen these. You know, there's only a handful of giant companies in the world like that, and they. You know, they have created unfair advantage by just spying on everybody wholesale and using that to manipulate people and situation and get, you know, ridiculous unfair competitive advantage and and increase their 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 global power. And it's just sort of, you know, it's kind of decimated a lot of culture, you know, and diversity and opportunity for, you know, new things. It, it's uh it's it's at, been at a huge cost i mean look at the newspapers bookstores you know everything you know it's just uh it, it's really and then you know don't forget your you know cambridge analytica at all right i mean you, you're oh uh, yeah you know but it's They'd it's, love it's just and just then the impact that's had on people because they just feel like wow I can't fight this. Either I'm just going to go live in a cabin or I'm just going to have to accept this because I don't really have an alternative. And that's kind of what XX Network is. You know, we, we view ourselves as like something you can actually vote with your feet. Use XX Network. Maybe you don't have any top secret things or you're not, you know, but use it because you're providing cover traffic for those people who do. If you believe this is important, use it and
0: support it. And, you know, then maybe someday you might need it. It'll be there for you. <laughs> well, that's amazing. Um, and there's a lot of different people that are in our audience. Aside from just the 101 listeners, there's a lot of founders in crypto that I was surprised and pleased to find out that actually listen to this podcast on a regular basis. Hmm. If someone wants to build on top of the XX network and build something more aside from that messaging app or utilize it somehow, what's the best way for them to get involved and in- just what can be built on your protocol? Okay, well, let me just, I will address that. And I just, I should
2: probably preface my comment by saying, you know, you can run a node and you can stake and all that stuff. It's all good. So, you know, it's, a, it's quite a vibrant uh, community. And we, the truth is we have opened the APIs to the CMix pub and you know, they're public and open source and everything for a long time better better part of a year. Not that many people have taken us up on writing stuff for it that we know of, because that's one of the things, you know, people could be offering services on the network and we wouldn't see it. That's one of the interesting aspects of, but like, let me, I can, let me just say this, watch this space. We have some very significant announcements uh, in that area that will be c- coming up in a matter of, you know, very soon and uh i can say that they are you don't want to ruin any any surprises yeah we're we're gonna go uh way out on a limb to open up all kinds of uses in a in a and encourage all kinds of people this uh in a a big way and that's coming up so we're excited super excited about that i don't think i should say more at this point but uh, yeah so we haven't stopped it it's kind of tricky stuff and uh So uh, I think we are aware of some people who've written their own stuff, but it's not that much. But this will change.
1: Okay, well, well, I'm
2: excited. And
1: you know, one of the things I kind of think about sometimes is, you know, with Bitcoin and Ethereum, you know, is is this technology that you built? Is this something that you could build, you know, a secure messaging system on top of Bitcoin or Ethereum, who who kind of already have, you know, a huge holder base and they have you know, the regulatory kind of clarity. And, you know, there are these awesome platforms. Um, Would a a system like XX Network be able to run on top of Bitcoin or Ethereum? And what would you kind of think about something like that? Well, let me just
2: say that, you know, I've been in conversations with Vitalik and some core devs for Bitcoin on this kind of thing for since 2017. I think. And, um, probably, I mean, to be really frank, it's probably easier to, you know, build a new thing that's, I mean, our, our, you know, 3,500, 35,000, let's say, transactions per second, you know, that's, that's Alipay, WeChat, and Visa all rolled into one, I believe. You know, that is global electronic payments, got it covered. You know, that's a, That's miles away. That's a big step up from what those. So um, you know, uh, we've had a lot of conversations about side chains and this and that. Yeah, there's a lot of these layer two. I don't want to disparage anything, but I would, you know, you know, it's like in the security, you know, in the security and privacy worlds, both there is a kind of generally very strongly believed. Principle that's more or less parallel, which is you can't add it on; you got to build it in.
1: I like that. That's a good saying. Yeah,
2: it's really you. You run. You know, it's it. I mean, obviously, it's can't be absolutely true, but it is. It's it is generally what people think, and uh, there's a lot. There's a lot to it, and so
1: yeah. And I the only reason why I really ask is just because it's you know it's so easy for a user. Uh, who's already on Ethereum just to bridge over to a, a layer two network that's using um, you know zero knowledge proofs. Um, and it already has kind of that privacy built into it. But I guess, you know, it's not the same level of privacy and mixing and, uh, you know, quantum security. So, it, it you know, it really maybe doesn't, you know, necessitate that ground up, but it just seems. Well, make
2: um, no mistake. What we provide is is real privacy. You know, the, your IP address is stays with you. And that's something that can, as I mentioned earlier, undo all kinds of privacy that you might have out there. So you could use some fancy little tricky things, but it's not really going to solve the, the, the privacy problem. And, you know, uh, you know, the kind of transaction flow I'm talking about is like, you know, uh, you know, don't forget the Satoshi Vision, right, which was, you know, payments, really. It's, it's not just that. So it's, I think, you know, and there's another thing. I don't want to really comment on it, but it is a public fact that uh, there's something called Liquifinity. Uh, Liquifinity, you can look it up and see that I'm associated with it, and um, it's, you know, it is a it is a, a way to do cross-chain um, uh, payments in a secure manner, and I think, I think when you start if to combine something like that with some of these very established kind of more on the store of value, but not really with the transaction bandwidth, uh, then I think you you know it's uh, possible to make a really ideal kind of convenient integrated mechanism. I don't, I don't know if that's too yeah. sketchy, but you, you, you sort of get my drift, Bryce? Sir.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Oh. Yeah. yeah and you know i i'm curious is there anything else kind of a, that's about the xx network that we missed you know something that we didn't ask that you want to make sure the audience knows before we uh get to our closing questions
2: uh yeah i'm just mulling that over i mean oh I, I yeah, yeah. I yeah. Big covered the big stuff that's out there uh but you know I, as i said before watch this space you know in the next short period of time there's we'll, we'll be Announcing some major uh, ex- expansions of scope and integration that I think will, you know, provide tons of avenue for developers and really, uh, I mean, to my perspective, XX Network, you know, I mean, you could say I don't want to. I've heard it said that maybe I'm the guy who's been working on Web three for like forty years.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
2: and. A handful of years ago, I said that XX Network was going to be, you know, the thing that would really take Web three to the public, even though that terminology wasn't floating around at that moment. And so, uh, I I believe that uh, we have the the uh, opportunity to really make a, a full range of uh, useful things available to the general public without them having to even be involved in some of the messier you know mechanics of blockchain stuff. Uh, But that's not to say that we're going to leave the you know the community behind, but we we can offer web three to everybody on the on the planet. And that's kind of the vision. And it's not as you know it's We have the technology to do it, and we we tend to do it. So, well, yeah, that. So, I guess I should have said that.
1: Yeah, well, that's that's fantastic. And and now it's funny because you know the last question that we ask every guest on the show, um, it it kind of is a different form, or it's kind of a a version of this. But it's you know of all the people that you've run across in your life, um, you know who's inspired you academically, who has challenged you, who's been a role model. so I'm going to ask you that question, but it's funny because most cryptographers and computer scientists would probably say you. Uh, so who who do
2: you even get to say? Well, I guess that makes it easy for me then. Uh, you know, I, I you know honestly, I guess I I don't want to say I pride myself on, but I I think I have tried to follow my principles and do what I think really is the needs to be done as the best possible thing to do to push, you know, to try to make the world a better place. That's been my, my ethos and my mantra. And if you look back at, you know, each decision and what, you know, the stuff I've done along this uh, cryptography path, it, it, it's all makes sense in that, uh, within that framework. So uh, I guess I've been a little bit too busy just trying to figure out the right thing to do. And um, not been paying a lot of attention, not looking really left or right. I've just been focused uh, straight ahead.
1: (laughs) Absolutely zoned in. Locked in, dialed in, not uh, given any time to anything except the XX network. Um, There you go. Well, I love it. Well, David, thank you so much for joining us here at the Crypto 101 podcast and, and spending the hour with us um you know we're, we're really excited about everything you're building and, and we'd love to have you back on again uh for for another discussion here in the, sure. in the yeah yeah, yeah.
2: it's a blast i really enjoyed it uh meeting both of you and uh this was really interesting thanks for giving me the opportunity and the good questions and uh yeah it was it was great speaking to you
1: wonderful all right everyone at home stay tuned we'll be back later in the week with some more guests